0: Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Sustainable E-commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith, and my guest today is Joe Mercer, founder of startup slow fashion brand Matilda Life. Joe has spent her entire career in retail and is perhaps most famous for her highly successful Joe Mercer Shoes retail chain. She's coming back into market now with a lifestyle women's apparel brand built around the DNA of Australian made, ethical and sustainable. Today, we talk about the strongly and passionately held values that are the driving force behind Matilda Life not just in what they make and sell, but also in how that weaves through all of what they do, including things like how they're setting up their upcoming bricks and mortar store, how they choose partners, and perhaps most crucially, how they intend to influence consumers towards a healthier and more sustainable approach to purchasing clothing. After chatting with Joe, I'm left with the enduring belief that Matilda Life, despite still being a tiny startup, serves as a great model for the fundamental values that any ethical and sustainable brand can follow. So with that, let's start the show. Joe Mercer, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you, Giles.
0: It's lovely to have you here. I am particularly chuffed that you've joined me today. So Kian from Sustainable Choice introduced us. And when Kian and I talked about uh, potentially having you on the show, it became apparent that you have a huge pedigree in the retail space here in Australia, which perhaps I didn't know about, and I'd love to learn more about that now. But what's interesting to me is that you are now building yet another brand, but in a sustainable fashion space. And so we really want to drill into all of that today. But perhaps before we go into the details, perhaps, Joe, if you could just fill us in a little bit on who you are and, and, and how you got onto this journey into the fashion space.
1: Okay. Well, as a very short little snapshot, um, I grew up in England, um, in the UK and uh, moved to Australia as an 18 year old. And look, I've been in retail all my life. Since then, I sort of put myself um, through university working in department stores. Uh, Then I uh, went in to be a buyer and a planner. And then I moved on and, and started my own shoe business. And now I'm working and launching a new brand called Matilda Life which is all sort of proudly made in Australia and as you rightly say in the sustainable space it's certainly a big focus and a key pillar to the business
0: so for those that don't know and I, and I do want to just hear a worship just a tad if I'm allowed to is you built Joe Mercer, footwear Joe shoes store line didn't you and so that was you
1: so well that was myself and my partner so I won't forget about them um yeah and but I have been out of that business for a you know quite a a number of years now so we we built that up to 30 stores and since then uh, I moved on I actually had a, a baby who's now 14 years old so he's not that much of a baby. Wow. <laughs>
0: um,
1: very late in life and you know the best decision I ever made so.
0: Um,
1: yeah. Yeah and so you know I've I've moved um, or worked in the retail sector for a very long time and I've spent a lot of time of, of my time traveling overseas, vis- visiting factories, uh, you know spending time in India, in China, and sourcing product from those locations as well as you know Europe and more glamorous perhaps locations so i've certainly yeah. seen it all and i think one of the most rewarding and passionate things through my time in the retail sector has always been supporting local brands and local manufacturing and it's something that i've i've really you know, always prioritised and, and also, you know, my, I have asked my team to prioritise. So when a new brand is starting up and it's Australian made, I really, really get excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So during the pandemic, you know, it, it, it came, I suppose, a lot of time for reflection, thinking, and it really came to me that if I'm going to do anything else in my life, I am going to Uh, start up a new brand that is proudly uh, made in Australia where I can have total transparency. I can support local manufacturing, local skills. Uh, We can see the quality of the workmanship. We can walk into the factory, um, see that people are treated properly, know that um, we've got the skills here to do it. And So uh, that was where the whole idea was founded. It was during the pandemic and I thought, you know what, Um, you know, this is a design-led business that is all manufactured here in Australia and proudly so. And, um, you know, if you say to me what are the pillars of this business, Uh, it will be sustainable and it's super important, it will be very high quality, and I will not compromise on Made in Australia. So, you know, that's kind of who I am and, and a bit of a yeah. quick snapshot of <laughs> of my time in, in Australian retail
0: yeah, amazing, amazing, I, and I I love everything you just said. And, you know, obviously, that's what we're what we're about here, sustainable e-commerce. It's it's the sort of brand that we love to support. So, tell me, let's just sort of dig in a little bit deeper on the sustainability side. You you've yeah. you mentioned that word a few times. What does that mean to you in terms of what you do? What you do differently to other apparel um, uh, manufacturers or other fashion brands here in Australia?
1: Well, I guess as a starting point, almost no manufacturing. Uh, or brands manufacture in Australia. There, There is design done here, but there's very little manufacturing. Uh, it's small. So that is absolutely different. Uh, my The sustainability, uh, you know, pillar of our business is really, uh, and I'm dead against greenwashing and saying, you know, all, all this sort of thing. But my, uh, I grew up um, very close to my grandmother in England, uh, was at boarding school, and I spent a lot of time with her. And she was from, I guess, a generation and an era where uh, waste, there was no waste, um, you know, as mm. as we composted everything. A plastic bag was rinsed out, hung up and reused. Every bit of washing was hung on the line. Um, we, everything she did was either composted, recycled, reused, and there was virtually no waste. And and so for me, that has hung on my life, all my life. And it's become an integral part of who I am and what I believe in. And therefore, the brand that we're taking forward as Matilda Life has to live by those values. So when I say sustainable, I'm sure there's things we could do better, no question. But Matilda Life does not use plastic at all. So we are a brand that, um, you know, when we ship things out, hopefully not to our peril, but there is not a plastic thing in sight. Uh, So it's, you know, a compostable box, it's compostable tissue paper, um, labelling, all that sort of thing. So um, very, very important to me. End of life is very important to me. So everything has to be a natural fibre so that, it can decompose at the end of its life. That's really important to me. It's really important to me that we try and use organic, so that um, I know that you know less water has been used and it's it's you no know, pesticides have been used. I'm I'm not um, trying to pretend that we are, um, you know, the the expertise, scientists who can absolutely qualify that 100% of everything we do is sustainable, but Mm. it's totally a priority for the business. So when we choose who we manufacture with, when we choose who we work with and who are going to be our brand partners, um, I want to know all about you know what are their work practices what is their um standard of sustainability and and just do they have those ethics in within their business so it's very very important to me the core of the business is however made in australia like that's that's is my number one overarching priority it's it's got to be made here sustainably
0: you kind of touched off all of the points there from you know materials manufacturing ethical supply you know packaging shipping end of life all that stuff and that to me you know is the very essence of what makes a, a sustainable um, apparel provider a, a sustainable fashion brand um you know there is you know i think there's and i'm picking this up from yourself as well there's a sense of understandably nervousness around making exaggerated claims around sustainability, particularly in the fashion space, you know, with everything that's going on in Europe and, and, um, you know, the Higg Hig index sort of falling apart and all that sort of stuff going on. There's, there's a, there's a, an element of uh, nervousness around everyone, but I think, you know, what you've just hit up is all the main bases there. And so it's incredibly important that that customers really understand that as well, isn't it? And, and so you've been going since 2021 What's the feedback been from your customer base so far? And what, what do they love most about that story, that, that combined made in Australia sustainable story? I,
1: th- I think the customers uh, really do want to support local business. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I've had so much feedback from customers saying, is it really all made here? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, it is what you mean, it's not just designed here. And I'm like, no, it's actually made here. Oh, I didn't realise we were still making shoes in Australia. And I'm like, well, look, it's not a big industry, but there is still a small bespoke business here and there is talent. And If we get behind that talent, we can maintain it. Um, I'm not suggesting we're ever going to be mass producers of footwear in Australia, but if you're talking quality high-end, you know, the skills are here and they exist and we should cherish and nurture and love them. Uh, And... You know, I guess as we grow as a country and we are in a lucky position where we are growing and, you know, we've got new immigrants coming in and and we've got skills coming from overseas who can support um, industry, why would we not really embrace having a strong high-end manufacturing business? Um, So and brands, um, you know, that support that uh, I think you know are, are standing for a specific purpose, and it's it's important. I mean, it's important not just um, you know to me; it's clearly important. I get all passionate about it. But I think it's important even as a country to make sure that that we look after some of the the skills that we have. You know, we've got an incredibly diverse country and community with such a melting pot of different skills and, and nations. Um, we, we can absolutely be talented manufacturers of all sorts of things, including clothing, shoes, and you know, lifestyle product. So my yeah. big ambition is to make a sneaker here in Australia. that's yeah, okay. that's what I've got <laughs> with, you know sustainable material, so latex sole and just really, you know, all natural. But that's my big ambition. I'm still working on that one, Giles.
0: Well, good. That's your North Star. (laughs) I love that. Uh, I was talking to... Uh, Zoltan Saki from Citizen Wolf uh, a few months ago and their north star is to make uh essentially custom made jeans to order using their unique process. So that that's their north star. and If your North Star's sneakers then that's that's pretty awesome as well. So um very very cool. It's great it's great to have a direction uh to head in and a goal. Very different I suppose to some of the other stuff that's on your store but I, I suppose you know I keep running up against this when I when I talk to um I guess smaller uh boutique and and obviously high quality fashion brands. Uh, particularly the ones that are working sustainably, right? So, so one of the great challenges in the in the fashion space appears to be, you know, if you're trying to get into stores, the necessity almost structurally to do overproduction, to overproduce lots of stuff. How does that differ with what you're doing now? Like, I mean, have you run up against that yourself? I mean, I guess you're only distributing on your own site right now, but
1: yeah. Look, I know exactly what you're saying, Giles. So, and it's partly to do with just uh, production becomes cheaper with more volume. And so, you know, I guess, um, you know, there is that, that sort of forcing people to sort of grow their volumes and become big and therefore get their prices down and become more profitable. And, and, and that's the, that's, you know, that's one pressure of, of business. I mean, obviously using cheaper and synthetic materials is another big pressure of business. I mean, everyone's trying to make, you know, good money. So uh, probably if you said to me what is the number one thing I've come across is really, uh, you know, it, it is hard to produce Competitively mm-hmm. um, in Australia at times, and so you have to be prepared as the retailer not to be, to, you know, to really be cost conscious, to be cutting other costs where you can, so that you're not, um, so you are not, so so you're viable as a business because your your make cost will be a little bit more the consumer probably doesn't want to have to pay that so you need to be in a position where your structure of your business is is really tight on costs so that you actually are passing still on fair value to your consumer yeah um yeah and, and you know it's very important we can't say made in australia and then charge a thousand dollars for a sneaker <laughs> it's so because the customer might not pay.
0: Yeah, I mean, high, there's high end, and then there's and then there's high end.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I look, and you know what? It's all about branding in the end, isn't it? Like, there's yeah, nothing, totally. you know. Matilda Life is a beautiful brand. Uh, it's it's all about. M- you know, being inspired by the Australian landscape and the rich colours we have here and the Australian way of life. It's casual and relaxed, but design-led and beautiful quality, like just lovely. But we're we're not trying to position ourselves to be, you know, the latest Gucci because that's not the essence of the brand. The essence of the brand is relaxed, easygoing, casual, high quality for the Australian way of life. and. You know, within that, our pillars have to, you know, we have to be true to what we believe in. And it, it's very much around the founders and what we believe in. And, you know, as the uh, as the policeman around waste, <laughs> both in my business life and my personal life, uh, it's a critical part of what we do. Like if we're producing yeah. waste, then, you know, it's not the brand I want to be.
0: Charles just jumping in here again with a quick aside. No matter where you are in your journey to grow your brand for a healthier planet, there's one area of impact that all e-commerce brands share, and that's shipment packaging. It's imperative that the customer's order arrives in perfect condition. You already know that if your stuff arrives damaged, that's a bad user experience. It ends up in profit-sucking refunds or replacements, and the damaged items will likely end up in landfill. But how much thought have you given to the fact that your shipment packaging is actually usually a highly overlooked part of the overall customer experience? In many cases, it will be the very first physical interaction someone has with your brand, with sustainability, the war on waste, and the single-use plastic problem being front of mind for almost all all consumers now the last thing you want is for that first impression of your brand to be dominated by frustration with how your products are packaged that's why i'm so excited to be partnering with our friends at heaps good packaging on the show they provide a range of very cost effective eco-friendly compostable shipment packaging from simple mailers through fillers tapes labels and post pack boxes and with that all important first impression in mind, they can also help you with custom printed packaging as well to really elevate your brand experience. Head over to heapsgoodpackaging.com.au and use code packed like a boss to get 10% off site-wide. Okay, back to today's discussion. Back in the day when you had a chain of, of physical presence or bricks and mortar stores that you were selling your amazing products in, how does that compare now to essentially, I think, if I'm right, that you're essentially at this point an online-only retailer? Is that That's right, isn't it?
1: Well, to be honest, Giles, we're just about to change that. So if you were to say ah. to me, oh, Joe, what is the plan? What is the vision for your business other than my cute little sneaker, which I would like to see, um, but that's a product vision? I am opening our first retail store, so we will open in King's Arcade in Armidale, uh at the beginning of March, hopefully. It's, uh, it's, you know, building is pretty tough at the moment, but beginning of March. And, yeah, that will be our first retail store with the uh, strategic plan of growing slowly, carefully and gradually. Um, yeah in a, in a bricks-and-mortar space. We've started online just to test the water, to iron out the production issues, to understand that we can get supply and, um, you know, that there is an industry that will support a smaller startup business. Mm. So as we've sort of evolved and grown through that and, and made some mistakes and had some learnings, uh, we've said yep, we can do this and we're going to open our first store, which, of course, goes without saying, we'll all be, um, you know, every part of that store will be made in Australia from, you know, recycled timber to uh, the lighting. Everything will be um, made here from where possible recycled and certainly sustainably produced materials.
0: Yeah, wow. Okay, that's awesome. So why Armadale?
1: Why Armadale? Oh, just because the sh- a shop came up, and it's it's smaller in an arcade um, that runs between High Street Armadale and um, the train station, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful spot. I'm I'm in love with it because it's, you know, it was built uh, in the 19th century, and it's got all the hallmarks of a a gorgeous um, historical site and Mm. there's a number of stores in there and they're all beautiful and so it's just little it's it's small but it's going to allow us to deliver a concept that's more than just online because it's very hard to for people to really understand the purpose behind a brand in an online space it becomes very dependent on a lot of words um, a lot of accreditations and and things like that which which we will get, but we're going to take our time over that. Mm. You know, my first priority isn't to become a B Corp. My first priority is to get up and running and to trade profitably, to make sure that there's an appetite for our brand, um, to live by our core values, and <clears throat> then I will get accredited appropriately um, as we move into the next couple of years. We're so yeah. young. Yeah. Such a startup, a little baby.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So do you see that do you see going forward do you see that becoming a chain of little boutique stores
1: I do yeah uh, when you say chain it sounds like lots I yes. see
0: yeah do you see lots of them
1: yeah probably probably not lots no I I you know if you said to me what would be ideal I'd say a couple of stores two or three stores in Melbourne and Sydney and maybe one each in the other capital cities would be an ideal scenario, certainly, you know, not a big chain in shopping centers. It's it's very hard in a shopping center environment to to be able to pay the rents and do all the the things that are important to me. So because you need to have huge margins to be able to, to operate within that environment, um, whereas I'm I'm looking for a business that perhaps isn't quite so pressed on the margin side, um, so that I can can deliver on sustainable fabrics, sustainable production, and a proposition of made genuinely and proudly in Australia.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, do you see as as that grows out, and, and it sounds like you're. You know you're quite passionate about that strategy, which is great. And and I was I was actually saying at the start of this year in the I I did a sort of like an intro to the 2023 and what I thought was going to happen in in the sustainability space this year. And one yeah. of the things I said was 2023 I think is the year where we put to bed forever this notion of being pure play, one or the other, either either online or offline. For me, it's 2023 is the year where. Certainly in the sustainability space, we're going to see the people that succeed are going to be the ones that are hybrid. They have both. They have the ability to purchase online and the ability to go into store and have that kind of in store experience one on one with whoever is selling it to you and see the see the the products that you're buying. So do you still see the retail thing where you sort of started this because that's obviously the lowest cost where you can get a brand going? Do you still see the online version of that as being a key part of your direction or do you think that might uh, peter out over time?
1: oh no 100% i see it as being important uh, and you know it's it's obviously the founding channel for us and it is it's critical um online i think uh has you know it's it's a little bit guilty of not being sustainable in its approach to business and you know happy to lose money for extended periods of time happy to you know offer customers free shipping back forth <laughs> on goods. Um, and, you know, there's a lot to be said for um, you know, how do you make sure your online business is actually genuinely sustainable uh, and, and eco-friendly? Like if if you're um, you know, saying to customers, you know, buy 10, return six you know, we're fine, back, forth, back, forth, customers will do that. And mm. it's pretty bad for the planet. You know, everything gets packed and shipped <laughs> and sent and then back again and back, mm. forth, back, forth. So, uh, you know, I really support online, but I want to make sure that, um you know, I am, we we are genuinely um, offering a business that's also eco-friendly. So, uh, you know, if a customer wants to come in store and swap things over and try things on, she can. I think you have to be able to work between the two. Like, obviously, mm. people are busy. They want to shop online. I shop online. Um, but, you know, I, the idea that I would go back, forth, back, forth, back, forth with product just feels so wrong to me. Not, And not because not it costs, more necessarily because all the companies pay for it it's just it feels like what a terrible waste of of resources yeah um all that so you know I'm very passionate about having both um the in-store experience so people can really experience and feel what the brand means and what it's going to stand for and then the online for complete convenience really yeah I'm hoping that people you know use that respect respectfully they they kind of know what they want and they jump online and buy it because it's it's convenient for them you know of course if you have to return you have to return but um i get all frustrated when i see all this stock going backwards and forwards and i don't know there used to be rumors that <laughs> asos had jumbos flying to australia every second day <laughs> i'm like oh my god for fashion that's going to end up in landfill it just yeah feels- it feels like
0: the worst evil in the world. The same can be said for for bricks and mortar retail, right? I mean, I know I overheard a conversation in the mall the other day amongst some um, some teenagers, and they were saying that that typically what they would do is go shopping, buy five or six or seven things, wear one, decide which one they liked, and then go and take all the others back. And you know, admittedly, that's that's got well, arguably less carbon footprint, I suppose, in the sense that they're they're not ex- they're not exactly sending via the post. But it's still this kind of hyper consumerism—the ability to be convenient and try lots of stuff on and see what you like—and it is something that is unfortunately not unique, maybe, but certainly prevalent in the fashion space, isn't it? Because of course, we don't know what something's going to feel like, what it's going to look like on it, on it, what it's going to—you know—whether it's going to be the right size. Because even though it says 34 on the label, does it really is it the same as the other 34 thing that I bought? You know, it's, it's so it's hard, right?
1: look it is hard and and it's got to feel good and look good for you to really want to buy it but fast fashion is is just I think a problem for this planet and a problem that you know has has really you know someone's paying for it someone somewhere um unfortunately it it you know it's the planet who will ultimately pay and then I guess some of the people making this product because everyone seems to make money on the way through. But I can tell you right now you can't sell a T-shirt for $10. It's not possible. It just isn't possible that you've managed to produce, sew up, send across the world and then put into a retail environment and, you know, the real cost of that is 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 obviously uh being born by by people somewhere and by this planet because no one's paying to dispose of it so
0: no that's right i mean you know i think we could we could talk for hours about the problems the ethic with you know the ethical issues around around those sorts of super low super low prices and it's awful
1: and the consumerism and the idea that that's okay is just is just yeah. right so yeah. you know we don't want to be part of that we are comfortable to be uh smaller, produce less, pay a bit more, but knowing that you know we are um designing specifically for our customer base, that we are going to have less wastage, that people will take care of their products because yeah. it is a beautiful quality. Um, they're timeless essentials. We're not trying to produce something that's you know out of fashion next year. Uh, yeah. So it's timeless essentials and you know we're we're covering uh you know your lifestyle from your pajamas through to casual clothing and accessories and footwear so you know it's yeah. quite a broad broad group of product categories
0: yeah yeah absolutely so you, you you mentioned a while back uh in this conversation you mentioned um you know a, a end of life your philosophy very much and and the one that you would you would hope to then include in the, in the sort of the, the customer story is very much that they, that the garments that people buy from you last a lifetime and they'll be with them 10 years, 15, 20 years from now.
1: That's it. And I hope that they will wear them until they wear out. Yeah. Uh, if they get a little hole in them, that they will sew up that hole and keep yeah. enjoying and keep wearing. Uh you know, I, I think when it comes to a nice quality, I'm just going to use parrot pajamas as an example. Our pajamas are made of tencel; um, they're beautiful, they're soft. I mean, you you can wear honestly, you can wear them, wash for twenty years. So why wouldn't you? Like, yeah, you know, I I realize that occasionally you do something wrong in the wash, and <laughs> you you know you. Turn them the wrong color or something like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, people will keep wearing our products. We're not advocating, you know, buy, recycle. We're really, we're advocating buy, reuse, rewear, wear out. Um, yeah. You know, it's not high end designer where. You know, it's very stylized and it's cost you $2,000, but it's out of fashion. You know, yeah, we're talking yeah, yeah. very much quality, essential clothing that you could wear. You know, if you're going on holiday, you could pack our entire range and off you'd go.
0: Yeah. And I know that there's, um, you know, there's an increasing trend, I think, towards, you know, the high end manufacturers like you guys offering to extend the life of people's clothing so they can keep wearing them by offering some kind of low-cost repair services and and, and all that sort of stuff so that they – it does two things. First of all, it keeps the loyalty to the brand, but then, of course, I think it helps the customers educate them that actually this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to buy these things and enjoy them for – very long time, decades potentially, which is a, perhaps a lost art. And I think when, you know, when our grandparents, I think we're about the same age, when when, when our parents and grandparents were were buying clothes, there would be skills in-house to sew and repair and keep these things going, wouldn't there? And there, and if not, there would be the, the, the high street um, seamstress or someone that could come and fix things for you. But it's hard to find those things these days. Well, I tell you what, when you find one, they're busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's right because no one could no one knows how to do it
1: do they no and, and they're super busy because you know there is always a need for that sort of thing uh yeah so I, I you know i'm very much a supporter of invest in pieces that you think you can get longevity out of and yeah. make them last and don't buy them with the intention of throwing out and fill your cupboards up with stuff Um, You know, less is more and and you can really look great uh, by, you know, wearing garments that have been made with a quality fabric that have been made supporting local industry. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of it. You know, nothing in our range will ever need dry cleaning because that's just a hassle. (laughs) It's all just relaxed and, you know, you can wash it, hang it on the line in the shade. You don't need to use your dryer. Off you go.
0: So Joe you said that you know you were focusing on the next couple of years on sort of slow steady growth in mind to open a small number of you know nice um stores in, in optimized locations uh, for your brands not necessarily high streets so apart from that what what exciting plans have you got coming up that keeps you bouncing out of bed in the morning Going, is it new is it new ranges is it new demographics is it new um New categories of product. What's what's coming this year and, and into next year?
1: Well, what really uh, I suppose is exciting for me is the launch of our, our first store. That's really just been so exciting. Um, just yeah. the design and having it all sort of recycled materials and it's just super exciting. And then within that store, um, we're we're going to introduce uh, a couple of brands that are like-minded to us, like
0: okay
1: absolutely you know on the same wavelength that their passion is also making here in australia and sustainability and that we we are just completely aligned but they're perhaps running a product category that I have no knowledge expertise and I'm not about to go into manufacturing of so for mm. example jewelry as much as i love it it's it's i'm not an expert in jewelry i don't know much about gemstones you know I, I couldn't tell you the difference between nine carat and eighteen carat gold so <laughs> so we will buy um you know some really beautiful australian designed and made handmade um jewelry brands some homeware pieces some candle brands to sit within the environment so i'm and i'm really excited about that because it's back to that passion that i have for supporting local talent yeah. um and Part of that might be supporting local manufacturing, but then it might also be supporting some of those local brands that are absolutely aligned in their philosophy to us.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I love that. And in talking to lots of brands, as I do, there's there's a huge need for us in the sustainability space to work together with like-minded brands that you know it's not necessarily ones that overlap but certainly like you've just described the ones that are entirely complementary to what your customers are looking for when they come in the door but you know the other things that you can fill the gaps in for them so that makes a lot of sense to me so joe you've got a beautiful brand where do people go right now where do where do they go to go and check you out and and see what you have available
1: so right now, as of today, they go to matildalife.com uh, yep. and they can have a look around. Uh, and I guess from, let's say, mid-March, in case we run late, uh, we will be opening in shop, both shop six and eight, in the King's Arcade, Armadale. So, um, you know, either one of those places, um to check it out have a look and um yeah have a look at the product
0: fantastic i love it well what beautiful brand you've got growing i wish you all the best of success with your with your new store launch and all the others that are that are hopefully coming in 2023 and beyond
1: yeah thank you giles that's brilliant
0: back to giles again for my top takeouts and i think my big takeout from today is the interesting case study we have in Matilda Life, exploring it as we are still very early in the life of the brand. And for me, what makes that interesting is just how strongly Joe's values are serving as the blueprint for how the brand operates. She's obviously passionate about avoiding plastic waste, which puts strict boundaries around product materials choice and packaging selection. But beyond that, her belief in supporting our local Australian manufacturing capability influences so many decisions from where they make their own products, how they fit out their new stores and which brands they choose to work with in stock alongside their own products. The result is a brand that has a profound DNA and whose activities are entirely congruent and authentic to its values. And those are lessons that any brand should take note of. And talking of congruency, I really believe that's a vital building block for success for brands like Matilda and any other brands following a similar track. Startup brands, especially in the fashion space, have monstrous disadvantages compared to fast fashion and high volume brands. Choosing high quality, sustainable fabrics is typically more expensive as a starting material, which immediately means price has to be higher. Making timeless pieces and encouraging responsible garment ownership means slower purchase frequency potential. Limited scale and a deeper version to overproduction mean the unit economics are much, much harder. And Joe's chosen to avoid expensive rents from shopping malls for her stores to keep margin pressure under control, but choosing cheaper, lower footfall locations means less traffic into the store. What all of this means is that if like Matilda, your brand is competing with the constraints of quality based pricing and low traffic, crafting a powerful brand story that immediately resonates with your customers and captures their attention across all channels, is absolutely pivotal to success. And in that context, it's the congruency between your brand values and all aspects of the actual operations of your business, what you actually do, that will be the bedrock for your story. So I hope that you enjoyed our time with Joe today. For now, I want to say thanks again to my sponsors, Heaps Good Packaging. And I'll be back again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.